Have you ever wondered why antibiotics are given for five days or seven days, or why some are treated for longer? Do you know the appropriate length of therapy when prescribing the antibiotic? Do you ever wonder if you're treating for too long, or is your usual concern that you aren't prescribing the antibiotic for long enough? The issue of the course of antibiotics is a contentious one and is surrounded by much debate. Many authors have referred to the antibiotic course as being a Goldilocks phenomenon, not too short and not too long. The length of the course needs to be just right. On this episode, we'll take a history trip to find out where antibiotic courses originated, what evidence we have for shortening the course of treatment, and what evidence we still need, and if we'll ever get it. This is Microbe Mail, and I am your host, Vindana Chibabai. Today I'm speaking to Dr. Kim Peaton. Kim is an infectious diseases physician at the Netcare Rosebank Clinic in Johannesburg, South Africa, and she's also a lecturer at the Witz Department of Infectious Diseases. Great to have you on Microbe Mail, Kim. Welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me, Vin. It's a privilege to speak to you and all of your listeners. Hello, everybody. Our quick reminders include, remember to sign up for our newsletter on the Microbe Mail website, follow Microbe Mail on social media, and remember to share Microbe Mail with friends, co-workers, and colleagues. All the links are available in the episode show notes. So Kim, we're sitting here at 8 p.m. on a cold South African evening. So it sounds to me <laughs> like a really good time to start with a fairy tale called Goldilocks and the course of antibiotics. Are you ready? Great. Thank you, Vin. It's, it's quite a cute name. And I've got two little girls and Goldilocks is one of the, our favorite stories. So things work out for a reason. And I think you chose me for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds perfect. Although I don't think your girls are going to be enjoying listening to this episode. <laughs> no, they're probably not going to listen. <laughs> so Kim, I find the story surrounding how the course of antibiotics came to be quite a tale. So do you mind telling that story as a starting point for the listeners? Definitely. And the story behind everything that we do in medicine is really one of my favorite parts. And it really helps us get insights and understand in why we do things mm -hmm. and helps us also understand what things need to be changed. And really, the stories are so fascinating and so horrifying sometimes that it really um, gives a guy a lot to think about. So traditionally, the duration of antibiotic therapy for most bacterial infections has been based on the fact that a week has seven days in it. And because a week has seven days, traditionally, most antibiotic courses are either seven or 14 days long. Now, why does a week have seven days in it? And does this have anything to do with antibiotics and microbes? And it doesn't. The modern week has seven days simply because the Roman Emperor Constantine the Great decided that it was going to have seven days in 321 of the current era. He based it on nothing. It was just simply a whim. And based on that, we've now got these seven-day weeks and seven-day antibiotic courses. If Constantine had chosen a four-day week, would prescribers have routinely pre-prescribed antibiotics for four to eight days? It really makes a guy think that this is totally crazy. So as you're starting to see, Vin, 
and everybody who's listening, the typical antibiotic course of seven days is based on really high quality evidence. Thanks, Emperor Constantine. So we need to go get a time machine, go back in time to 321 of the current era and ask him <laughs> to make the week four days long. <laughs> Shorten it, please, because then we wouldn't have half the trouble we have now. That's so true. <laughs> so, so Kim, since we're talking Goldilocks, what are the problems associated with a course that is too short? And what are the problems associated with a course that is too long? Okay, so... In the past, we used to tell patients, please, will you finish this course of antibiotics? A lot of the time, people would suck the number out of the thumb and write a number of days on the script and would be adamant to patients that you cannot stop until there's not one single tablet left in this box. Mm. But we now understand that we should be treating bacterial infections for just as long as what it's necessary. So it really means that you cannot treat all patients the same and you've got to modify your approach or we modify our approach on a patient to patient basis. So each person needs to be individualized and a decision be made about the antibiotic course. What is the aim? When you give somebody antibiotics, you want to kill pathogenic bacteria, which are causing a specific disease. As soon as one feels that that is over, we want to stop the antibiotic. If you use a course that is too short, you may not kill all the bacteria. That means you leave behind a few viable dividing bacteria. And it means that with a bit of time, the whole disease process can start up all over again and you need to start from scratch. And the second time round may not be so easy to control. If you treat the person for too long, and this is really where most of us err, we say, oh, let's rather just treat for too long or extra just to make sure that everything is sorted out and that we're not going to have a relapse. Mm. But this can actually cause a lot of damage. First of all, along with the pathogenic bacteria, one kills the normal flora. And as the years are going on, we're starting to understand how important the human microbe um, and microbiome is to protect the gut bacteria. The normal gut bacteria and skin flora is becoming vitally important to protect our patients from diseases later on in life. So as long as the course of antibiotic is, you're killing all the good stuff as well, and that can be potentially dangerous. Yeah. The second thing is the longer the person is on an antibiotic, the longer they're exposed to potential side effects and toxic effects from the drug which is being used. And this could also promote the potential for the development of drug resistance, along with increasing the cost to the patient and also prolonging the pull burden. And we know that human beings really want to forget to take as many doses of their tablets as possible. So the shorter cheaper, best course for antibiotics is really the best in almost all disease. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think all humans are the same. I must be honest, there have been times where I've forgotten. Um, you know, it's difficult. You've got to watch the clock and make sure you take the next, the next dose. And the longer the days that you need to take them, the more likely you are to forget. And doctors are the worst patients. That's true. We are very critical and judgmental of our patients for not doing what we told them. But try and do those instructions yourself. And we quickly learn how hard it is and how we're just not made to take antibiotics or any medication for that matter 
in a strictly regimented way. That is so true. Now, Kim, there's more and more evidence actually suggesting that shorter is better, and you've already alluded to that, but not for all infections. So maybe we can go through which infection types we have sufficient evidence for that shorter is better. And can you maybe talk us through what the new recommendations of duration are compared to the older recommendations? Yeah, definitely. So infectious diseases is becoming a very rapidly evolving and changing um, course of knowledge and data. In the past, we really didn't have uh, the evidence to support a lot of what we were doing. Mm. But in the last 10 years, specifically, knowledge has increased dramatically. And I think the past two years of COVID infection has shown us how quickly you can get information out there with social media um, and the internet. Mm. And so we're really excited as infectious diseases and microbiologist doctors that we're getting real answers to questions that we've had for a very long time where it was a thumb suck and we just didn't know. So some of the infections where we wanted to treat for endless days um, and which now we know that you don't need so long are things like community-acquired pneumonia, even hospital or ventilator-acquired pneumonia. So in the past, community-acquired pneumonia, we typically treat for seven to 10 days. Now you need as little as three to five days, which is really nothing. Hospital-acquired pneumonia, one would sometimes treat for over two weeks. And now it seems that a week of treatment is more than sufficient. Pyelonephritis and complicated urinary tract infections, the dogma always said you need at least 10, more like 14 days of treatment. Don't ever treat less than that. But now we've got trials that show that five or seven days of treatment is more than adequate. Similarly, complicated or post-operative intra-abdominal infections need far shorter courses, like around about a week and not really longer. Gram-negative bacteremia, which always used to strike, or, and still does strike fear into the heart of anyone who's treating it, doesn't always need 14 days of treatment, and most of them only need seven days. Patients with chronic bronchitis, COPD, who have acute exacerbations um, of disease where one is concerned that this may be as a result of an underlying bacterial low respiratory tract infection, may probably only need five days of treatment. Acute bacterial skin and soft tissue infections like cellulitis and abscesses, once the source is removed, if in the cases of an abscess, we know you need hardly any antibiotics, a couple of days, But cellulitis, you probably only need five or six days of treatment. Very excitingly, chronic osteomyelitis, where we would go on and on and on for like up to 90 days of treatment, uh, three months. Now we see that six weeks is actually equal to those 12 weeks of treatment. And that's amazing and a major improvement um, on the mortality and morbidity of patients being treated for that. And then the last one, which I can think of now is um, neutropenic fever, patients where you're not sure exactly what the um, causative organisms are and you want to treat them empirically, probably only need 72 hours of treatment once they are afebrile. So most infections and disease systems need far shorter courses of antibiotics and really can be led by the patient's clinical response and not 
and what's written on a piece of paper. So that was a brilliant summary, Kim. And I think the take home from that is that from the list you've given us, these are all quite severe infections. Um, and even with that kind of severity, you can go for a shorter period of time, um, which is really brilliant news. So for the listeners um, who are following on social media and those who have signed up to the Microbe Mail newsletter, remember that I send out a storyboard for every episode. So I'm going to make sure that I take this section of Kim's discussion and put it in a nice little table to put in the storyboard. So keep an eye out for that one. Now, Kim, on the flip side of the shorter is better is that sometimes shorter isn't better. So can you talk us through those infections where there is, isn't sufficient evidence to shorten the course, course of therapy? Yeah, so this all sounds amazing and you hardly need anything, but unfortunately <laughs> there's always an exception to every single rule so and some infections still need long therapy duration. Now, it would make sense if you just sit and think about what kind of infections do you expect to treat longer that these are usually going to be in organs which are difficult for an antibiotic to penetrate or vital organs, which one really wants to make sure that you've cured and totally cleared the infection before you move on because without it, the person's not going to be able to survive. So obviously that's like cardiac infections and brain infections. So infective endocarditis in most cases still requires six weeks of therapy. This is changing though. There are certain cases where one does, does not need six weeks of therapy, but rule of thumb is probably still six weeks of therapy. And then meningitis, depending on what kind of organism one cultures or suspects, needs specific treatment durations. So for instance, a gram-negative bacillus causing meningitis needs 21 days of antibiotics, and that is not being shortened. Other infections where we require longer durations are related to specific microbes. So these are not bacterial necessarily. So we're thinking about fungal infections, which generally require longer duration of treatment. So patients who've got candidemia need a minimum of 14 days, um, provided one is ruled out infective endocarditis or osteomyelitis or another specific site um, for the candida source. And uh, some other gram-negative bacteria may, like pseudomonas, may require longer courses depending on the site of infection. So always think in your mind, hearts and brains, and is this a specific micro which would require longer treatment? And basically, when you're not sure, I suppose, just either call your IV physician or your microbiologist to check with them whether you should go longer or not. Exactly. If in doubt, don't just say, oh, I'm going to err on the side of caution and treat indefinitely, because that's always kind of an impulse which we all feel could makes us feel calm, like I'm just going to add an extra week on to make sure that this is all fine. And we don't worry about the drama we cause by doing that, yeah. where it may in most cases actually be unnecessary. So always phone for help and advice. Yeah, absolutely. So Kim, who's been left out of this discussion now? For which infections do we not have any evidence to be able to make these changes? 
Are we likely to see any clinical trials for every single infection, considering how much work has already been done in the last 10 years or so? Um, or is it safe to say that we should be extrapolating based on, on previous evidence? Yeah, so, and like we discussed earlier, up until recently, most of the infectious disease management was really based on expert opinion because we just did not have the randomized controlled trials to guide us. Mm -hmm. But this is really changing and changing so quickly. There's great evidence being produced now by really high quality trials. And this has been able to help guide the management of most infections. But we're never going to be able to see and have a randomized control trial for each and every infection. And often it's in those organs where one is really worried about the consequences of decreasing treatment duration at the cost of a person's life, like in a meningitis type of situation, for instance. But it's okay because the evidence for shorter courses in most of the cases and in most infections in most other organ systems is so overwhelming that we often can extrapolate this to these infections where we don't have evidence for. So I always say, be guided by your patient and the patient's clinical response, and if in doubt, ask. The shorter is better exceptions, we know a couple of ones. So the couple of infections where one doesn't want to shorten the duration are in prosthetic joint infections. So we do have randomized controlled trials now, which have compared six weeks of treatment to 12 weeks of treatment, 12 weeks being the traditional um, treatment duration. And six weeks is inferior to the 12 weeks, increased morbidity, increased relapse rate, and increased mortality. So prosthetic joint infections, unfortunately, still need the 12 weeks. In the case of otitis media in children under the age of two, it's also inferior giving shorter treatment durations. So five days was not as good as 10 days. In children and adults over the age of two, and less than 10 days and more than 10 days was actually equal. So this is in a specific group of people where one wants to have um, a longer duration. Uh, the, another infection which I could think of was uh, people being treated for streptococcal pharyngitis, so the traditional strep throat. One really does need to give seven to 10 days of antibiotics because three to five days was not equal higher relapse rates and higher morbidity and mortality again. And then we've spoken very briefly about fungal infections, but patients who've got chronic pulmonary aspergillosis do need to have 12 months of treatment. Six months didn't cut it. The cure rates were far inferior and patients really did not do well at all. Okay, so that's quite an extensive body of evidence looking at pro-shorter and not pro-shorter, basically. Um, a lot has been done. It's really exciting, Vin, because a lot have. And the exciting part is in, in the vast majority of things, with a couple of exceptions, one really can go for shorter. Absolutely. So, Kim, on microbe mail, we always try to include issues that are specific to gender and also age-specific issues. So does age or gender matter at all when we're talking about antibiotic courses? So for example, does a younger, less developed immune system in a neonate, for example, need a longer course of treatment? 
or does a female or male need different um, courses? So it's a good question. And generally, amongst children and neonates versus adults, the children and the neonates do not require longer courses of antibiotics. In the previous uh, section, we discussed otitis media. And this is one of the exceptions to the rule, where if you're under two, you do need to have a longer course of antibiotics than an adult. But generally, the course of antibiotics can be exactly the same, no matter how old you are. Similarly, in old people, you don't need to extend the antibiotics because they're older. Between female and male, there's absolutely no difference. You don't get treated shorter or longer based on your gender. Okay, great. So I think, Kim, there's, there's a tendency for clinicians to think, as you mentioned earlier already, that they're doing more good than harm by prescribing treatment for longer in, and, and ev probably even more so when it comes to children and neonates. There's this inherent worry that if you don't give the antibiotic, there's going to be a poorer outcome. Um, kind of not bearing in mind that actually the harms associated with prolonged antibiotic therapy can and actually do outweigh the benefits sometimes. So then the Definitely. Long... So then how does one go about tackling extended courses of antibiotics in a hospital setting or even in an outpatient setting? So when, when one thinks about shorter is better, the thing which I always tell the students when I go and lecture at the medical school is to always ask yourself, why is my patient not getting better when you've prescribed an antibiotic which you expect to work? In other words, this is an antibiotic that it has got known activity for the organisms which one expects. And often patients which get referred on to an infectious diseases specialist has have, have had multiple courses of antibiotics and prolonged courses. So the first thing is to ask yourself, why is this antibiotic not working? Number one and top on the list is to ask yourself whether there's source control. In other words, has the area which is causing the disease been cleared of infection rather than trying to come up with a magic number for how long one needs to treat that infection for? So if the source of the infection hasn't been adequately drained or cleared, then no matter how long you bang on antibiotics into this poor person, the infection is simply not going to disappear. So it means one needs to work out whether there's an abscess and drain it. One needs to look for hardware, prosthetic material, implants, and remove it. One needs to debride something septic. One needs to remove plastic. So whether that's a drip site, a central venous catheter, an arterial line, which is un unusual but not impossible, or a urinary catheter, always look for plastic and foreign material in your patient and ask yourself whether that could be causing the drama in this person. If you are quite sure that there is source control, always ask yourself about what organ the infection is in. Is your antibiotic going to achieve therapeutic levels inside that infected organ? So we think about meningitis. Not all drugs will cross the blood-brain barrier. So yes, on paper, one may have an infection which is caused by a bacteria where one knows that a specific antibiotic is sensitive. 
But if that antibiotic doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier and achieve appropriate concentrations in the brain, it's just simply not going to work. Um, like we've discussed earlier, if the organ and the infection in that organ is a heart or a brain, then yes, one would need to think about the magic number of how long one should be treating the infection for. But in every other organ, um, one needs to clear the source and monitor for clinical improvement as well as microbiological improvement. So what's more important is the clinical response. Does the patient feel better? And are the cultures from the site consistently negative? If this has happened, then one can really aim to stop the antibiotics 48 hours after clinical and microbiological improvement. So in the case of most uncomplicated outpatient infections, the vast majority of people will really only need three to five days of medication, which is such a pleasure. So in the outpatient setting, one can explain to the patient what you are trying to treat and trying to achieve with antibiotics and prescribe a couple of days of antibiotics, but then tell your patient, you don't need to finish this. If you're feeling better, and 24 to 48 hours later, you are still feeling better, you can stop the antibiotic, even if the packet's not empty. And this will really try and prevent all the collateral damage that we spoke about earlier. Even in most complicated infections, patients who are in hospital, it's likely that the vast majority of infections will not need more than a week of antibiotic. And once the person has improved clinically and microbiologically, one really doesn't need much longer. Another 24 to 48 hours of antibiotics and then aim to stop. So thanks, Kim. I mean, there is this general move away and towards personalized medicine. And in fact, infectious diseases and microbiology is moving in the same direction. So as you said, on a case-by-case -case basis, if the patient has, is improved and has had a rapid clinical response, you don't need the five days Exactly. And we always feel a bit nervous about three days, but for an uncomplicated outpatient infection, really when there's nothing wrong with three days, if your person has improved. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for bringing up um, the source control issue. Um, and just for the listeners, as a reminder, episode five of Microbe Mail has some great insights on searching for a source of sepsis. So if you have not yet, hop over after this episode and listen to Source Searching 101. So Kim, it's now time for our spotlight feature for this episode. So are you ready to play something microbial? Sounds fun. Okay, cool. So I've thought up a fun new game. It's a little bit like a murder mystery, but with microbes. So even more fun. Okay. <laughs> and it's called... Who murdered the microbe? So I'm going to give you a <laughs> riddle and you're going to tell me who the murderer is. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. E. coli went for a vacation to the bladder. It stayed the night and was planning to do some sightseeing. All of a sudden, something took hold of its cell wall and destroyed it. Just like that. With one single shot, E. coli was dead on the spot. They say the murder weapon was delivered orally in powder form. 
just three grams and E. coli was dead. Do you know who the murderer was? So Vin, that sounds very much like phosphomycin to me. Absolutely. Brilliant. You're an amazing murder mystery solver. <laughs> so your Microprotective. So your prize for your incredible contribution to the mi microbe murder mystery solving is that you get a microbe named after you. Did you know that? Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so in honor of the E. coli mystery solution, we are now going to call you Peter Nietzsche Kimoli, which rhymes with Escherichia coli. Love it, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant awesome Kim so now just as a last quick quick uh, summary can you summarize for the listeners how to approach an infection from the perspective of duration of treatment and the length of the course sure so always remember our new catchphrase shorter is better in all your patients try to aim for the shortest course possible in an outpatient setting Try not to prescribe more than five days in total. If you're worried about this and you're still feeling nervous about giving a shorter course, ask your patient to come back to you. Tell them to let you know if they're not feeling better by the last day of their medication. That means that you're not going to overprescribe, but you're going to pick up those patients who need further follow-up and further investigation. You may need to change the antibiotic or consider another diagnosis rather than extending the same antibiotic course. And I think that's really important. If your person is not feeling better, rather ask yourself whether your diagnosis is correct instead of just giving an extended course of the same antibiotic. If your patient does feel better, tell them that they don't need to finish all the tablets in the box. Always remind yourself about which microbe you are treating and in which organ the infection is, so that you can help decide whether a short course is appropriate. Always be guided by what your patient tells you. If in doubt, remember to phone your infectious diseases specialist or the friendly microbiologist. We're always here to help, and we love hearing all these stories and trying to work it out. So it's fun for us. Let us know. Thank you so much for joining me on Microbe Mail, Kim. And I hope we can sit down and have a chat about another fairy tale character sometime in the future. Thanks for the opportunity to chat, Ben. I hope you will invite me again. I look forward to another discussion. All the best for the rest of your Microbe Mail podcasts. Thanks very much, Kim. Listeners, we'd love any feedback you have by email or on social media. And remember to share this episode with anyone who may benefit from the content or even just anybody who likes fairy tales. Until next time, that's it from me, Vin, your micro messenger. See you again soon with more Contagious Mail.